looking to learn more on how to build wealth through real estate? You're in the right place. Welcome to the Make Money Make Sense podcast with Dante Belmonte. Each episode, we have the privilege to bring you a professional in the real estate world. One that will help you become a top investor, whether that's a passive role or managing the day-to-day. Let's jump right in. Alrighty, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Make Money Make Sense. I'm your host, Dante Belmonte, joined by my co-host, DJ Smith. DJ, how are we doing today? Awesome, Dante. Always great to be here with you. Yes, sir. Uh, we've got a pretty cool guest. We've got uh, what sounds like a wrestler's name, Stony <laughs> Stonebreaker uh, from <laughs> Passivo. Uh, great guy. He's uh, in the world of syndication, multifamily syndication in the Southeast. Um, again, I kind of stuttered on that. So Stony Stonebreaker is his name. Um, he'll be in the house taking out knockdown knockouts all night long. Um, <laughs> but no, a great guest. He did a really good job. We really enjoyed having him. Um, unfortunately, his partner couldn't make it, but he will be back. Uh, Gives us a reason to hook up with him again, right? Exactly. So these, these guys are really neat. They are syndicator. Um, they, they're, uh, how do I say, a game is in the equity raise. Um, yep. So bringing that part of the deal along with their, their underwriting, that those are their strengths. Syndications is all about putting together strong teams. Uh, and that's the part that they really... Uh, focus on what they built their business around. So really great to hear somebody using this approach. Exactly. Yeah. So really enjoying it. Uh, enjoyed the show. He dropped a lot of good nuggets in there, what they're doing. So I hope you guys take some value away as well. And uh, with that, let's get right to it. All right, Stoney, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for coming in. How are you doing today? Good, Dante. DJ, thank you for inviting me. Of course. We're so glad to have you here. I know we had a little mix up uh, your partner was supposed to join us, but unfortunately he couldn't make it today. Not a problem. We'll have him on another time, but we're glad to uh, have you here. Um, so Stoney, you're with Passivo Real Estate Investments. If you don't mind taking a few minutes just to tell us about yourself and your company, I think that'd be great. Sure, sure. Glad to. Well, uh, I am an electrical engineer uh, by training and got some other schooling as well after that and been a long time um, uh, uh, amateur investor, I guess I'd say, and now a professional investor in the later years. Um, I've had a, a solid business career over the years, uh, worked in the space program initially, and then worked um, for a, an electric utility running their telecom group. And also, uh, as while I was there, I helped start some uh, telecom uh, uh, companies and got involved with a number of those. And then uh, when I, after I retired, I rediscovered my interest in, in real estate, which I had had earlier in my career and had did through some personal investing that I did. And so then I started investing and, and uh, doing going through a whole discovery process uh, for commercial real estate because it'd been mostly single family kind of investments uh, during my career. And so what I did was talk to friends who were in commercial real estate, uh, read and watched the YouTube videos, of course, like ever, so many people do, and got involved with a friend who was a commercial real estate broker. And he got me, got, I got my license here in Florida and uh, got into that side of the business in sales. Uh, but I really thought that that was interfering with my investing side. So I decided to get away from that and, and got more into uh, the investing side. So 
uh, during that process, I happened to meet my partner, Lynn and Lee, and uh, we, he was uh, had to, we, he and I had the same kind of mindset about investing in multifamily and uh, looking at syndications, which we got into. And so we did that a few years ago. And so we've been investing in uh, in uh, commercial real estate, uh, primarily multifamily over the last few years, and uh, really have enjoyed that. And now we uh, do that as part, as limited partners, as well as general partners. And so we've gone through the whole, whole process of doing that. And they really have enjoyed uh, that. And we're just uh, working like crazy right now. So it's really, I, I love the story. And part of the reason why your story ministers to be, and I'll be a bit selfish for a minute. You mentioned engineer. <laughs> and I, I have to laugh because Dante and I keep running into engineers everywhere we go. They're uh, all in the place. Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. But uh, certainly the methodical thought process that they're taught, the numbers-based approach, things like that uh, work well in this environment. But th that's my selfish piece. The, the thing I wanted to say is you have the coolest name in real estate, <laughs> Stony Stonebreaker. <laughs> I, I absolutely love that. I told you that when we first spoke. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, I, I feel like uh, you should be like my bodyguard. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, seriously, Thanks. though, your journey, you, you uh, took a path that's several steps uh, ahead of where I am right now, but I'm on a similar course. So when I look to people uh, as mentors, certainly, you know, I believe uh, that you can learn something from everyone. And when I say everyone, I truly mean everyone. Um, but specifically with regard to this, it's, you know, real estate and commercial real estate. So can you take us back? You had mentioned uh, you're in with commercial real estate. Was your first commercial real estate deal, was it as a limited partner? What, what did you do first in commercial? Yes, my first uh, uh, in investment was as a limited partner in a, uh, uh, an apartment complex in, in Dallas uh, with, uh, with another company, with Ashcroft Capital, actually. And uh, that was through Lennon. Lennon was uh, uh, was raising uh, capital for them for that one of their earlier uh, deals, and that uh, kind of uh, helped me uh, understand uh, the the process better, learn more about uh, the investing process and uh, the roles of that. And I didn't know whether I wanted to be active or not in commercial real estate. Actually, I, I just wanted to. I was really in. in uh, interested in the tax and the advantages, the, 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 all the return advantages and so forth. Many years ago, I read a book well before Rich Dad. I think everybody's written or read Rich Dad, of course. Uh, but back in the, in the 70s, I read a book called uh, How I Turned $1,000 into $3 million in Real Estate in My Spare Time. A uh, guy by the name of William Nickerson read that, and apparently it was the, one of the most popular books in business or in investing back then. And there's three di three different versions, from what I understand. Uh, one published in the '59, the, the second one published in '69, and then the third one published, I think maybe 15, only 15 or 20 years ago, and probably not by him. I, I assume he's long long gone by now, but. Um, it, it described all of the advantages of commercial real estate and investing in 
um, in apartment buildings um, and starting off with duplexes or quads like so many people do. And so that really kind of stimulated my interest. But as I was so involved in my career, my W-2 job, that I didn't have enough time really to do much in the way of investing because I was so focused on that, although I did some. And then when I retired, then I got back into it and really enjoyed that and uh, really have um, thought that the analytic part of that really fits kind of my mindset, the logic, instead of depending upon a, a market or some subjective person who likes the color or the layout of a, a room or something like that in the house, uh, as opposed to the commercial real estate, which really seems to fit my, my mindset. Yeah. Well, let's touch on Passivo a little bit. So what your company does, what you guys are currently doing right now. And, you know, before the call, we were kind of actually talking about a little bit and I was like, all right, everyone like hold the brakes. Let's save this for the show. I think that's a really good topic to talk about, but again, touch on Passivo, what you guys are doing and maybe a little bit of the strategy you guys are taking down today to be successful. Sure. Sure. Well, Passivo is a company that we formed, uh, Lynn and I had, had invested in several, um, uh, multifamily properties over the last few years uh, separately, but in kind of in together, but not formally. So we thought that it may, would make sense for us to join partners more formally, in which we did. And Placebo is aimed at providing um, passive investors a more deal flow and more uh, and, and helping them become better investors. And that's the bottom line of what that is. Uh, what we've done is we have taken a little different tack than some people, and we are primarily limited partners ourselves, although we are, we have been general partners, we've signed on loans, we've done all the, all the, um, the, the general partner and sponsor uh, syndicators um, roles. And so what we like to do is we like to partner with, uh, with other operators who we have vetted uh, over time, we've known for a while, we've gotten to know them, we've done background checks, we've uh, tried to, uh, we've met them personally, we've gone into their markets and studied uh, their markets and understand what their structure is and what they like to do and gotten to be, be uh, confident that we can be good partners together. And what we do is we, they typically will find a deal and they will bring it to us and we'll go through the full underwriting, uh, the analysis. We'll know the market uh, that they are in, and uh, we try to make the do the entire um, an anal analysis, uh, similar to what we would do if we had found a deal originally ourselves. And then we do that on behalf of our investors. And so what we do is we raise capital from passive investors, people who are professionals or, or uh, just too busy. Uh, or who don't want to get into the details of uh, investing in real estate, but who want to make a uh, to diversify their own investment portfolio and add real estate to that portfolio. And what we do is we don't believe that real estate is the only answer for people, although we we think it's uh, very positively about it. But we think people want to invest in stocks and bonds and other aspects as well. And so what we try to do is we try to uh, make sure that uh, to the best of our ability, we uh, people we know who are professionals in other aspects of investing will be glad to refer them without 
any compensation to other people who we know uh, around the country that can help them become better investors and, and uh, supplement their portfolio uh, with other, other aspects of, of investing tools and, and resources. And so we'll bring in uh, people to our deals uh, that will uh, be offered to them just like any other syndicator would. And we'll be part of the team uh, with the uh, main operator, the sponsors, and we will offer that to our investors. So it's a, uh, and, and in that way, we provide a better deal flow because we have multiple operators in, in different markets. We'll have the typical diversification for, in different markets and ge different geographic markets. And we focus on primarily multifamily, although in the future, we'll probably expand that into other uh, commercial segments. And so we get a little bit better deal flow for our investors and that really helps them. And we and, and diversify not just the deal flow and the geographic territory, but the, uh, the team and the sponsor as well. And because ultimately we believe that the, that the uh, biggest risk in any kind of a commercial real estate investment is the bit risk of execution of the business plan. And uh, it's, that depends on the team and we, you gotta have a good team. And, there's enough um, situations that come up over time that uh, we believe that uh, vetting sponsors over time and understanding what uh, that their philosophy and their strategy for investment is um, makes a lot of sense to help our investors understand better uh, that they can trust those uh, sponsors because we've vetted them thoroughly. Yeah, I, I love that. And there's a few points I want to touch on that you went through there and we'll kind of break them down. But I guess the first one is I like the approach you guys have where you are partnering with other GPs to increase that deal flow because everyone knows deal flow is very thin right now. Finding a good deal and not overpaying for it is very difficult. But because you guys are looking to partner up with other GPs and other markets, you have essentially other people working for you, finding deals for you guys is really what it comes down to, which is very smart. Um, my question to you on part of that is these GPs, you guys said you, you vet them, you look at the market to make sure the market is what you guys are chasing after and can hit the numbers you're projecting. How are you finding these GPs to partner with? Is it at conferences? Is it simply broker relationships? Hey, here's another guy that's competitive in the market. Let me hook you guys up. Where are you guys building or how are you getting in contact with those other operators? Uh, good, good question. Um, we've met most of them through other uh, through conferences over the, the last few years, uh, mostly in person, where we've gone to uh, various um, industry uh, uh, conferences, uh, and and there's a, a bunch of them. Of course, this last year was really thin because of the COVID, but right, uh, right. at this point in time, in fact, I'm going to Dallas next month. Uh, then I'm going to Orlando in October. Uh, and so we're going to be live at uh, some events and be meeting more people. We've had success with that in the past before the COVID where we've met people and, and developed relationships over time. Uh, and uh, so we've done and we've actually done deals ourselves with some of these people uh, before we act ever uh, and we've invested with them before we ever offer them. Uh, that doesn't mean we always do that. Sometimes we, we um, just know that these people are people we've um, uh, we've really uh, like uh, some of them are are smaller operators, but the, and they're younger, but they're they've really been impressive uh, people that we know are going to be very extremely successful as they go on. But they're experienced. They're not there's not 
any rookies in this uh, in this group of of uh, sponsors that we work with. So uh, when you look at protecting your investors, it, it seems like a lot of the deals kind of fall in this baseline when we're talking multifamily of about a five-year hold, 8% cash on cash, 15% IRR. Those are the kind of basics. Is that all you're looking for? Is, or is there, are there specific underwriting criteria that maybe sets some deals apart from others? Uh, yeah, they can, there certainly can be. Each deal is, is unique, even though there's some general criteria that, are, are, uh, that so many people are, are doing right now. And, and as you all know, the, uh, there's so much competition out there, it does make it very tough to find a good deal. So what we like to do is to find some of those unique characteristics. Uh, we like to have creative partners. Um, one of our deals that we did ourselves as general partners recently, uh, we really visited the market quite a bit um, and we found a different way of kind of uh, upgrading the property and, and positioning the property that was different than the other people who were looking at that property, according to the um, broker that actually sold us the property. And he really liked the way that we analyzed it, the way that we focused more on the, um, the market and really understanding that deal and how it was positioned in that market. Uh, so that that was uh, that helped us actually get that that particular deal. But we look at the usual things and to make sure that the, the nature of the uh, underwriting is conservative, as everybody says. Well, everybody claims that, of course, but we really look at it. Uh, some cases, like a recent deal that we're, we're doing, um, the deal was uh, a real true off-market deal where the, our partners found it uh, with this seller. They negotiated with that over time. There's no broker involved in that. And uh, that really uh, came to be a, a, a good a uh, good deal because of that, that was a key a factor in it. But we do the usual, um, you know, value add. It's a light to moderate value add kind of a deal, but there's gotta be an upside to the deal. And in addition to that, for our investors, we typically like to bring in what we call a fractional CFO, an independent uh, person who is knowledgeable about accounting and about multifamily properties and is a professional. And they over, kind of oversee the accounting that's going on by the property management company and, and make sure that uh, we're following the right regulations, make sure the accounting is proper. And that kind of gives some, uh, some substance and some value to not only our investors. And, and of course, we invest in almost every deal uh, ourselves. So we're kind of concerned about our own investments, but also the investors of the um, of the, uh, the sponsor, the other sponsor that is part of the deal. Yeah, so it's, uh, it's really great that you guys, you know, when we look at general partners or general partnerships or syndication deals, the different elements of what needs to be taken care of, right? There's the, that loan piece, there's the, you know, obviously finding the deal, due diligence, we kind of lump together the capital raise and you guys really focused on you know, everybody has to be good at their underwriting, right? You have to do that to protect Absolutely. your investors. And as you now bring your investors and partner with other people, it's important to understand for SEC compliance, a couple of things. Number one is you can't just bring money to the deal, right? So you're taking right. an active role and I love the, the, you know, that CFO piece, that element that you're adding in 
I feel like it's really going to increase the trust level. And we certainly believe that the number one element to placing your money is you have to be able to trust that syndication structure that's being put together. They're calling the shots. So hugely important. Um, So with regard to SEC compliance, uh, when you're in the GP position, uh, obviously, as we bring investors to the table and so on, is there any difference between if you're the GP who sourced the deal versus somebody who's just participating in the team? Is there any difference in SEC rules for the investors that you're bringing in? Uh, not, no, not really. Uh, the, um, we're, we are part of the GP team, as I said. Uh, we also we do other things as part of that. We help with the asset management as appropriate uh, with, the, uh, with the people who found the deal. But we're part of that same team. Uh, we also, um, in the past, have uh, signed on loans uh, and brought risk capital up front uh, and done other parts of the due diligence on the team, on the uh, property as well. And so we can fulfill whatever role um, might fit the, the needs of, the, uh, of our partners. Yeah. Okay. And what about criteria of the deal? Let's talk about that a little bit. So obviously you guys don't just have this giant net casted that you're just, you know, picking up any deal with any partner. You obviously have specific deals, classes, unit counts that you guys are going after. Talk to us a little bit about what the ideal asset is that you guys look for, for a multifamily asset, what class, how many units, and then maybe some characteristics about the property as well. Right, right. We uh, we like the uh, C plus to B uh, property uh, within a B or higher uh, location. Uh, we I think of course there's so many people looking at, at very similar uh, criteria. It, it makes it tough uh, in the competition these days with so many people involved. Of course, but we yeah. like that that kind of um, a deal. We like it from 100 to 300 units. Uh, we, we absolutely has to have uh, be cash flowing because our number one criteria is, is protection of the capital that uh, our investors and we are investing in the deal. And it's got to be positive cash flow uh, because it's a, it's a we're, what we're doing is we're buying a, a business that is a profitable business, but it's underperforming. And we, it needs to be, and, it, like and it's, yeah. you know, there's a whole bunch of, um, you know, criteria that uh, reasons why it could be underperforming, but we just like it as a profitable business and uh, that we can, we know what we can do to improve the, pro- the performance of that property. And so there can be a whole range of different things involved in that, uh, but that's the, the, the highest criteria. We also um, like to stay in the Southeast United States markets. Um, and we have uh, various markets there in Florida, in Texas, uh, North Carolina, Atlanta area uh, that we like. Um, we just think that, the, um, that if you're in a market that is um, not growing, uh, that there's more um, margin, uh, high, higher margin of error. And so we like, to get into the growing submarkets of growing markets. So it's not, we're not going to just go into any submarket of a growing market. For instance, in Jacksonville, we're not gonna go into any, just any market within Jacksonville. We wanna go into the, the markets that are growing that have proven that they're not too far away from a lot of jobs. Uh, the, the home 
pricing is going up and it's all positive flow. They got the um, rents, uh, rent prices are also rising in there. And there's a reasonable uh, rent to a wage uh, ratio in there. For instance, I live in Coral Gables, Florida, which is in the Miami area. And in the Miami area overall, while there's certain markets that are very nice, uh, of course, the, uh, the rent to uh, way average wage or, or uh, median wage is about 50%. So it's very expensive for renting here. But in Jacksonville, it's right around 20%. It's much more affordable. And so we like that part of the, say, the Jacksonville market and other markets as well. And so we look at different metrics like that, uh, as well as others uh, during our underwriting that we think are very important to our investors uh, to, in order to make sure that we get the right kind of a, a deal for them. So what about uh, your equity investors? Um, there's such, there has to be, with your model, uh, a great focus on that. We talked about the trust factor and why people should trust you and stringent underwriting criteria. How do you go about building your equity investor database? Uh, talk to us a little bit about the journey. How did it start, first of all? And then how'd you get other people to jump on board with you? Well, we've done uh, a number of things. Uh, we've got, um, of course, most of the, the investors we've, we've met personally. Uh, we uh, have met over uh, the last few years. We've met people at these conferences, as I mentioned before. And uh, Lennon has started up. One of the things I liked about him is he started a, uh, an in-person meetup, the multifamily meetup uh, here in, in Miami. And he had about 30, we had about 30 to 50 people attending every month uh, for our sessions before uh, COVID came along. And so we're getting ready to start that up again. Uh, but we really like the idea of having a, um, a personal relationship with the people. Uh, sometimes we'll travel to another city to meet up with several people. But also uh, what we've done is we've restructured our website as a marketing platform and gotten that so that we are now uh, doing a lot more um, uh, creation of content and uh, education for our investors. And uh, some people will meet us there or through our um, social media presence that we've done. Uh, we also are active in bigger pockets and some other uh, uh, social media platforms like that that can help uh, identify and meet people. And uh, we also get references from the people we've, we've done business with. And uh, that is a very positive um, uh, method as well. I mean, we, we met you all through uh, our joint, uh, uh, Kim Lisa Taylor, our uh, common and, and attorney. And so that really uh, gives you confidence that the people that uh, you're getting re uh, referred to are people that are people of, uh, of that you can trust and, and really um, work with. Yeah, definitely. Reputable groups for sure. And I, I like that approach you guys have because DJ and I, we kind of had the same thing going where I host an in-person multifamily meetup each month. I've had a great success off of that as far as, you know, I have my license in the state. So I sell these people a lot of properties, smaller properties, but a lot of them have started to take interest in the larger properties and the assets that we're doing. And we're able to collect that information, build those relationships and add them to our, you know, investor database. Um, you know, like you said, social media, I think that's a big one. And then 
I think a big one for us is right here, right now, you know, this podcast, this is, you know, a spot where you can be in front of people day and night without any effort really, because you're not really talking to these people personally. It's a recording that, you know, goes out to everyone and it goes everywhere. And, you know, hundreds of thousands of people listen each month. That's, you know, that's a a wide cast net. I would definitely say for that. Um, You know, something we we talked about a little bit before uh, a buddy of ours that you guys are going in on a project with, we won't get too much into that project. Um, But you were saying your partner met him at a conference. You guys are moving in with him. Now, what does an equity raise look like on your guys' side of the equation? So um, not as much as how much you guys have committed to bring to the deal, but for a deal like that, I don't know if you want to mention how many units it is, what the purchase price is, and then how much you guys plan on bringing to the deal. To guys give us an example of what a partnership is like. Right, right. Well, what we um, do is we get notice uh, from our potential partners early in a deal. Uh, we like to come in early to help uh, do the any um, uh, due diligence on it or um, uh, or underwriting even even at that stage and uh, see if we can't contribute uh, to the um, analysis and the decision to move forward. Um, in this case, the, the, the guys had uh, made a, a decision already and actually gotten the contract or close to getting the contract signed. It's uh, 262 units um, in Texas and uh, they already had a major um, institutional investor we were coming along uh, to uh, help them out. And so they, they were, we've been wanting and talking with them about wanting to do a deal with them for the last several years and been looking for uh, an opportunity to do that. And so they brought that up uh, when we were uh, talking to them one day. And so um, that just happened to work out. Uh, we, we bring that, uh, we partner with them. We're part of the GP team, as I said. And then we, we put together a presentation, a webinar for our own investors. Uh, we send that out uh, like most, most people do um, and uh, promote it uh, that way or our, our make an offer of it. And uh, to our investors who have done deals primarily with the ones who have done deals with us before. And so uh, that's turned out to be uh, a good way that we found to, uh, to uh, make an offering like that. Stoney, if somebody is going to uh, as part of the GP team, have the responsibility, among other things, uh, for bringing capital to the deal. Uh, what do you find it, from a percentage standpoint? How much, if somebody wanted to partner with somebody and add their expertise to the GP team, uh, do you typically find that there's a, you know, a certain, I mean, if somebody's just going to bring one investor with them, it's not going to work, right? <laughs> Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just me and my buddy. Uh, that's probably not going to get me on the GP team. Just general right. criteria are these people that are sourcing the deals. Are they typically looking for ten percent, twenty five percent, fifty percent of the equity raise? W- what do you usually see? Well, it uh, I, of course it does depend on. Uh, it's, it's not depending on the the total dollar figure in, entirely uh, because it's uh, part of uh, the the. Uh, the uh, the t- other services that you can provide to the uh, partner there, but typically uh, a person a group that might be bringing in, uh, say this is uh, say we'll, we'll talk about a uh, a proposed deal or a fictional deal of bringing a ten million dollar raise 
uh, for maybe uh, a $20 million property, um, the, the investors might want to bring in, if they're bringing in a million dollars altogether, they're going to get a smaller part of it rather than if they're going to bring in, say, half the, half the raise, uh, plus uh, beyond the uh, asset management team and the other services that you can provide as part of that. So um, you're, you're going to come from, if you're going to bring in a million, you might only get 5% or so, and then if you're bringing in half of it, you might get, um, you know, closer to, you know, half of it, half of the, uh, the GP on that. So it varies, every, every deal is different. Uh, and the more sophisticated you get uh, with your partner, with the, the partners you are, or the more institutional they might be, it's gonna be a little, um, a little stronger uh, deal uh, for them than it is for somebody who's bringing in the capital and their partnership uh, and their expertise into the deal. That's great stuff. So Dante, I, I could keep asking stony questions. <laughs> Are we at our time limit? Or yeah, I'd do say- we want I, to get into the curious cues? Cause yeah, I'm just gonna say, let's head over- to a four hour. <laughs> Hell no, uh, we'll it, head over to our section stuff. of the show. Yeah. It is, it's good stuff. And so we'll head over to uh, our section of the show, the curious cues. Stony, we're going to throw some questions at you that we ask every guest. Uh, nothing major, nothing to be afraid of here. We'll get your answers and we'll uh, go off to the next one. Sound good? Sounds good. Yep. Awesome. First question we have is uh, favorite podcast you enjoy listening to? Ooh, uh, there's so many. Uh, there's there are. good ones. Um, I like Whitney Sewell a oh, lot. A good one. Yeah. He's a good one. Uh, Hunter Thompson does a great job too. Those are two yep. good ones. I like. Yeah, Hunter is someone we need to get on the show to talk about capital raising. I mean, he is just, he's got it uh, honed in for sure. He's a beast. I like that. Yes, he really is. And he's got a great book on that. Speaking of uh, books, favorite books you enjoy reading? A book or books? Give us one or two or however many you'd like to do. Um, and, and is this real estate related? Or? It doesn't have to be real estate related. It's okay. So it's mindset or anything else. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one book that I read recently, which I really like, is called The Four Disciplines of Execution. Um, McChesney, uh, Hewling, and Covey, three authors. Uh, they, they really talk about how, how business is so, uh, you get involved in the whirlwind of the day-to-day -day emails and so much going on that you don't, focus on working on the business you're working in the business and you're you're not really yeah. doing the, the high priority things and so they, they talk about mbas how schools teach you how to make a build a, a strategy and plan but they don't tell you how to execute and so mm -hmm. this has really got a good focus on execution it's a little bit uh, there's some similarities with um with gary keller's uh, the one thing uh, but I really liked uh, this and uh, they've got some good videos that explain uh, the, the four disciplines of execution. That's a, that's a really good one that I like. Awesome. We'll have to check that out. Biggest hurdle in real estate you've had to overcome. Oof. Uh, that is uh, getting the, getting the confidence to be able to do the deal uh, and not realizing it, you know, my focus was on technology over my career and, and, we're, we're competing against people who have been in the business for a long time. And that's been a little bit uh, making sure that I have felt confident that I had the knowledge level to compete right. with some of these folks in there. I think that was uh, a big one. And, and as you do more deals, uh, you find out that you, you can really, um, you, you learn a lot on every deal. And, but it, but it's still, it's a, 
it's a challenge and it's a lot more challenging than, uh, than I thought at first too. Right. Right. Okay. Favorite non-real estate related hobby. So what do you enjoy doing in your free time? I enjoy playing golf, but I don't play a whole lot right these days. I got a back that's acting up on me. Uh, also have a little, uh, dog that, uh, I have to take care of for my son. He's, it was technically it's his dog, but you know, the old uh, adage there, I, I get to walk him, I get to feed him, I get to pay all the vet bills and all it's that. Funny how that works, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like it. And uh, newbie advice. So what advice would you give to someone that's uh, looking to get started in the industry? I think just, um, it depends on, on your focus on what you want to do. If you want to be passive, then I think there's all kinds of ways to, to do that and to, you, you don't have to necessarily even make an, a direct investment in real estate, through, but, that, but if you're going to do that, do it through syndications. It's such mm-hmm. a great way to invest in real estate. You're actually an owner of the property uh, and you get to um, be involved with people who are professionals, who are in the business and so forth. If you want to be active, you almost do the same thing, but, but you have the option uh, if you if you choose to do so, to buy a smaller property, a duplex or a quad, and really get actively involved in that and learn from the ground up that way. Uh, but people, a lot of people who think they want to be active, find out after getting into it, uh, realize there's a lot more work involved and a lot more time involved. And I think for people who are busy uh, that are have a W-2 job, that uh, I think passively investing in syndications is a great way to do it. Yeah, I, I agree. And kind of going back to, you know, starting the duplex triplex kind of thing too. that stacking method. That is what got me to where I am today. You know, buying that first duplex, that second one yep. that, you know, and just continuing to move up the ladder. I think that's huge as well. So I like that. Yes. And, and Stoney, where can someone get in contact with you if they want to invest with you, reach out with you or ask you some questions about what you guys are doing over at Passivo? I, well, people can get uh, in touch with, uh, with me through the Pasivo website. It's uh, PasivoREI.com, P-A-S-S-I-V-O-R-E-I.com. And we have an ebook there, uh, The Four Investing Rules for the New American Dream, that they can download and, and learn about our investing philosophy there. And then you can also email me at uh, Stony, spelled S-T-O-N-Y, at PasivoREI.com. Awesome. I love it. Well, uh, on behalf of DJ and I, we really appreciate you coming on the show today, making the time for us. And uh, we definitely hope to have you back again soon. Very much. Very much. Great to do that. Uh, Thank you very much, Dante and DJ. Nice talking to you today. Really enjoyed it. Thanks for listening. We hope you were able to take some value away from today's episode. For more information or to connect with Dante, visit victorycapgroup.com. See you next week.